Again, I want to welcome each one of you and welcome those who are in Zoom. I hope you've been able to follow some of the celebration. I hope uh, we could all meet together and celebrate, uh, but I'm sure uh, you are enjoying and uh, celebrating with us wherever you are. Uh, this morning, we are beginning a new series uh, for the next four weeks. We're going to be talking about uh, the values of New City, right? Uh, I, I mentioned in the last few weeks that we are going to be doing membership this year, so we are slowly preparing ourselves to kind of think about that. What does it mean uh, to be part of New City? Why, why are we here? Why did this church start? Uh, so we're going to be talking about four values, right? Uh, so pop quiz, okay? Gift is already looking down. Pop quiz. Sonal, what's, uh, you know the four values? You know the four values? Okay, go. go. Gospel centered. Okay, that's the last one, okay. One family. General. Very good, very good. We love you anyway. It's on the door, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, we're going to be thinking about this, right? And one of the reasons why we came up with these four values was we, uh, along with Gift and Akhil Priyanka and Rajesh Christi, we were kind of thinking about who is in this city, right? Why are they moving into this city? What are the needs of this city? Right? And out of that, these values emerged. Right? And we, uh, we hold them deeply. We desire to be this. We have not, not reached this. We have not attained this at any stretch of the imagination. But we, want, we desire, because the gospel changes us, we want to express our love for the city through these four values. Right? And so today, we're going to begin with what is God being gospel-centered? Right? Don't we all know the gospel? Don't we all sing the gospel? Don't we all know that Jesus died for us and he rose again? Uh, so why is this important, right? And so at New City, we, we understand the gospel uh, and try to apply it to every area of our life. Right? For, personally for me, and it was a personal journey for me that began in 2014. Now, you need to understand, I've been, right? I'm not that old, but when I give you some years, uh, I'm still young and I scored a goal yesterday, so I'm still okay. Um, but... Um, I've been a believer since 96, okay, 25, 25 years, close 25 years, right? I remember the camp in, uh, uh, it was in uh, Danish Pet in Coimbatore. Uh, my friends were inviting me. I, I never go to church. I was not in Sunday school and all these things. Uh, but my friends used to keep calling me. So finally, after my 12th, 96, 12th standard exam, I said, okay, let me go to this camp, right? Uh, but I, I had no idea in that camp, God gloriously saved me. Right on the first day, I gave my life to Jesus uh, and my life completely changed. Right, so 25 years I've known Jesus. Okay, uh, I, I did go to seminary. Right, I've been in ministry 20 years. Right, I've been in ministry 20 years. I've studied Greek, I've studied Hebrew, all these things, wonderful things. But it's only in the last five years, right, I, I've, I've known. I've been walking with God in sense of understanding scripture, understanding Christ for 25 years, but only in the last five years, since 2014, my understanding of the gospel completely changed. It was, uh, uh, it was uh, very much to do with me going and uh, understanding the gospel through city to city and what they did and the work they've done, trainings they've done. But for me, the way I look at scripture, the way I look at life, the way I look at the gospel, it's completely changed, right? Uh, and New City was born out of that experience, right? I want you to, uh, and this is our desire, we want you to know and experience the gospel for a life of freedom and purpose. We want you to know the gospel, not just know it in your head, but truly experience the gospel, right? Uh, so we want you to understand this. In some sense, for me, in the last five years, it's like a penny that dropped. You've heard of the phrase, penny, penny, right? It's some, something made sense, something changed. 
right? Something changed. The gospel was not just on the side. Suddenly, the gospel was like the lens through which I'm beginning to look at the world, right? Uh, it completely, it radically changed my marriage. It radically changed the way I look at people. It radically changed the way I look at ministry. It radically changed my preaching. It completely changed me, right? Even though I've been walking with God, even though I've been loving Jesus, right? Uh, so we want you to have that experience. We want you to understand that. So what do we mean by that, right? So today we're going to do a macro level understanding of what do we mean by being gospel-centered? And why is that important? What do we mean by this gospel? We're going to look at three ways we understand the gospel from this passage, right? Uh, and I'm going to place the points as a difference, okay? A difference so that you can understand where we are usually landing and where, where the gospel is, right? Uh, so the firstly, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 to 21, the first difference you need to understand is the difference between religion and the gospel, okay? There is, a, there is a world of difference. There is a world of difference. You have to understand the difference between religion and what the gospel is because if you understand that, your life is going to suddenly open up, okay? Now, religion, when I talk about religion, I also talk about moralism, moralistic life, right? It's, it's very similar. Moralism, religion is basically you are trying to live in a certain way. You're trying to earn and achieve your salvation. That's what moralism is. That's what religion is, right? There is a set of rules, the set of teachings, set of commands. And when you follow them, you are saved, right? That is a simple definition of moralism or religion. We are all moralists by nature. You're tracking me? We are all moralists. You may be like, no, no, I love Jesus and all that. No, no, we are all by default moralists. We all look at God through the lens of religion, right? We need the gospel every moment, every moment, right? Uh, so let's look at what's happening here, verse 11, okay? So the first thing is the difference between religion and gospel. Verse 11, when, uh, but when Cephas, Cephas is the Aramaic word for Peter, uh, so when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, and this is Paul speaking, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Uh, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Right? Let's pause there. Let's think about what's happening here. Paul is preaching to the Gentiles uh, and, and the Jews in Jerusalem are now coming to visit uh, uh, and see what Paul is preaching and the work that has been happening. And, and Paul refers to this group as the circumcision party. Now, the circumcision party is basically Jews from Jerusalem who believe in Jesus, who believe in the Messiah, right? But not just that, they believe in the Messiah, but they also want you to obey the law. That's why they're called the circumcision party, Right? Uh, they believe in Jesus, they believe in the Messiah, but they also want you to obey the law. Now, when they talk about the law, there's two kinds of law, right? One is ceremonial. In the law, there are three, the law is three segments. One part of the law is ceremonial law, where you're doing washings and some rituals and all those things. One part of the law is dietary laws, where you cannot touch some things, you cannot eat something. So there are certain kinds of laws. Uh, uh, one part of the law is the animal sacrifice, and there's also the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments. So there are different parts of the law, right? So what they are saying is, their claim is, yes, you believe in Jesus, but you also have to 
keep the law. Yes, you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to keep the law. And this is where the gospel is so different. Paul is preaching a gospel of grace. And what that means is he's saying, yes, you believe in the gospel. And in that instant, you are saved. When you believe in the gospel, you are saved instantly. Therefore, you obey the commands of God. You understand this? It is a world of difference, right? We're going to slightly think through this. This is why in verse 16, Paul says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Right? You are not justified by the works of the law. So here is a clash between what Paul is teaching as the gospel and what the circumcision party is believing. Right? What they are believing. They are coming from a very religious, moralistic kind of a view. They are saying, yes, you believe in Jesus, all that's fine, but you have to do certain things in order to be saved. You have to keep the law so that you are saved. Right? But Paul is saying, no, it is by grace you are saved. Every religious philosophy, and I want you to think about this, every religious philosophy in this world is based on moralism. Every religious philosophy. Even Christianity can be based... People can base the, it as a religion based on moralism, right? You obey a set of rules, you come to church, you give money to the poor, you follow the teachings of Jesus, right? And based on how you do it, you will be saved. Every religious philosophy, ten pillars, five pillars, four, all that, every, every religious philosophy, you follow a set of teachings, and based on how you follow, based on how well you do this, you will be saved in the end. The gospel is completely different. The gospel says you are saved by the grace of God. You are saved by the grace of God alone, not because of what you do. You are saved and therefore you obey. Now, I want you to quickly understand this. In both the worlds of moralism and the gospel, in religion and the gospel, there is obedience in both places. Okay? Some think, oh, when you understand the gospel, oh, when you believe in Jesus, you can do whatever you want. No, that's not what we're talking about. Right? Both these places, obedience is there. In, in moralism and religion, you obey, therefore you are accepted and loved by God. Right? In the gospel, you are loved and accepted by God, and therefore you obey Him. Okay? Let me give you a few differences. Right? In religion, you obey so that you are saved. In the gospel, you obey because you are saved. It's a world of difference. In religion, you obey to get blessings from God. Right? You obey because why? He should bless you in your exam, he should bless you in your future, he would give you this. That's the reason why you, the motivation to obey is to get blessings from God. In the gospel, you obey to get God. You want to get God. You want to love God. In religion, in moralism, you obey out of fear. Oh, if I don't do this, if I don't obey, if I don't come to church, if I don't read the Bible, then something bad will happen to me. God will, oh, God will be upset with me. That is religion, that is moralism. In the gospel, you obey out of delight and joy. Out of delight and joy. It is your joy to obey God. In religion, your obedience is out of duty. It's out of duty. You are anxious. It is joyless. It is burden. And the image, and the image I have is running on a treadmill, right? 
How many of you run on a treadmill? Treadmill is one of the worst. <laughs> you go nowhere. You're running, 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 and running, running, running. You're trying, running, trying. Oh, oh running, running. Right? That, that seems to be a walk with God. You're running and running and trying to please this God, trying to do all these things to please God. You're running. It feels like a duty. Nobody enjoys the treadmill. <laughs> you hate the treadmill. It feels like a duty. Loving God, obeying God feels like a duty. I wonder why scripture, why am I bored with scripture? Why am I not able to pray? Why, do I, why don't I enjoy his people? Why? Because we are coming with a very religious kind of an attitude toward God. But the gospel, but the gospel, when you understand the gospel, my friend, there is joy and delight in coming to God. There is joy and delight. Here's another difference. In religion, you get mad when God does not answer your prayer. Right? Have you thought about this? If you're praying for something, right, and God doesn't bless you, God doesn't give you what you want, you get mad, you get upset. And this is the conversation. You may not say it, but this is what comes in here. What is the point of loving God if he can't heal me? What is the point of following God if he can't take care of my life? What is the point of God, following God if he can't provide my finances? What if, what's the point of, right? We're always looking at God like that. If he doesn't give what we want, we get mad and bitter with God. But the gospel makes you surrender. God, the gospel makes you surrender to His will. Right? In religion, it makes you feel superior to others. The reason why all the confusion is happening in India, right? Moralistic worldview. You feel superior to another person. You feel superior to another race. You feel superior to another culture. It somehow feels like you're better than everybody else. Religion does that. Why? Because you follow something. Oh, I follow this. This is the truth. I do this. It makes you puffed up. It makes you look down on others. Whereas if you understand the gospel, if you understand the gospel, it will humble you. It will humble you. Why? Because you don't deserve the gospel. You don't deserve it. It is the grace of God. So it humbles you. You see, you see what I'm saying? My friend, this is important. This is why when you have a gospel-centered life, when you have a gospel-centered grid, when you have a gospel-centered lens, when you know that you are saved by grace and not by works, when you know that Jesus has not only paid for your sins, but he has also given you his perfect record, right? <laughs> when you know that God gave Jesus what you deserved, that is punishment, Shame, what you deserved, but God gave Jesus that, and God gave you what Jesus deserved. That is glory and honor. There was a great substitute that happened on the cross. He lived a perfect life on your behalf. He died in your place on the cross for your sin and your shame. He rose again on the third day to give you new life. This is the gospel. It is by grace. You have already, you already have everything you need in Christ. You have the greatest of acceptance, the greatest of love, security, intimacy, guaranteed future. Everything you need in love, everything you're looking for in this world, you have it in Christ already. And this, my friend, when the gospel begins to seep in, when the gospel becomes the center of your life, it gives you tremendous freedom. Tremendous freedom, tremendous sense of purpose, tremendous confidence in life. Yes, your world might be falling apart, 
but you are confident in Christ. You are humble in Christ. Yes, you are going through suffering, but you are filled with joy in Christ. There could be two people in church, right here, two people sitting next to each other, but how you understand the gospel, you might be living in two different planets altogether. Two different planets, It's it's a different world. It's a different world. One could be trying your best, working hard, trying your best to please God. Trying your best, trying your best. And one of the ways, one of the ways to know, right, if I ask you a question, right, hey, how is your spiritual life doing? How are you with God? How is your relationship with God? And if you answer saying, I'm trying my best, you tracking me? It's a very simple thing we say. It's, it's, we say this always. If you say, I'm trying, you've completely missed the gospel. You cannot try. What are you trying? <laughs> There's nothing to try, right? The gospel is not what you do for God. The gospel is about what he has done for you. What he has done for you. Right? So one could be trying, but on the other hand, Somebody who understands the gospel is fully aware of their sin, but completely rejoicing in what Jesus has done. It's a different world. There is a sense of wonder. There is a sense of awe. There is a sense of gratitude. There's a sense of delight and joy. My friend, do you see this? Do you see this? Are you able to see this? Right? So the first is a difference between religion and gospel. Right, religion and gospel. The second difference, let's say what's the second difference is. Second difference is head versus the heart. Okay? Head versus the heart. All right? Let's look at verse 14 and see what happens here. But when I saw that their conduct, right, Paul is saying, when they stopped eating with the Gentiles, Paul says, when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? I mean, it seems like a kind of a mixed kind of a statement there. But let's just understand what's happening. What's happening here? Right? So here it is, right? In a nutshell, God had given the Jews uh, ceremonial laws, dietary laws. Right? God had given them. God had actually given these laws to the people. Right? Why? So that uh, uh, ceremonial laws are they do some rituals of cleansing and washing before they come into the Sabbath, into the temple to worship. Right? So that they can cleanse themselves. It is supposed to point to their sin. Same way with dietary laws. God said you can't touch certain things, you can't eat certain things. Why? So that it helps you understand how sinful you are and prepare yourself for worship. But these very laws that were supposed to point them to their sin and humble them, you know what these laws did for them? They became superior suddenly. They were looking at the Gentiles because the Gentiles, Gentiles are basically non-Jews. In that case, we are all Gentiles, right? Gentiles are non-Jews. So they would look at a non-Jew, they would look at a Gentile and say, oh, you are not washing, oh, you are not following this ritual, eh, what is this? Right? Oh, you are not, you are eating, oh, you are eating this, Right? Oh, we won't eat with you. Why? Because I need to go to worship on the Sabbath. So I'm superior to you. Right? Oh, you don't, have, oh, you don't follow all these things? Oh, right? So the same loss that was supposed to humble you before God became a means of feeling superior over others. Okay? That's what religion does. That's what religion does. Right? It became a moral and a racial superiority. 
right? The ceremonial laws and the dietary laws were not the, it did not clean them. It did not help them forgive their sins. That was just not doing that. Why? Because even if they follow these laws, they still had to sacrifice for the sin. An atonement for sin had to be made. So the ceremonial laws itself did not do anything for them. Okay? So God was basically telling them, you are so sinful that you also need to sacrifice. So all these things were designed to help them understand the need for a savior. That's what, what the laws uh, were pointing to. Now Jesus comes along. Right? Jesus came and Jesus said, you don't have to do the ceremonial laws anymore. You don't have to keep the dietary laws anymore. You don't have to do the animal sacrifices anymore. Why? Because Jesus is saying, all these laws were pointing to me. Only I fulfill these laws and I fulfill this for you. Only I can wash your sin. Only I can forgive you. Only I can make you clean. So this is the gospel. This is what Jesus said. But now the Jews, when they heard the gospel, they believed in Jesus. But because they've been following these laws all their life, they found it difficult to give it up. They found it difficult to give it up. So this is the context. Right? They found it difficult to keep, uh, give it up. Even though Jesus taught Peter, even though Peter saw an incredible vision where all the animals came together and all that. So you remember that vision? right? He saw all this stuff and God was telling Peter, everybody is equally sinful, including Jews and Gentiles. Everybody is equally right before me, including Jews and Gentiles, when they believe in Jesus. So Peter got it. Peter understood it. For Peter, the penny dropped that's why he's sitting and eating with the Gentiles. Okay? But suddenly when another group came, he stopped eating. He stopped eating. And that is where Paul is calling out. You know why he's calling out? Let's think about this, right? What's happening? It's incredible what's happening. It was easy for Paul to call out his behavior. Peter, what Peter? You've been with Jesus. Huh? How many years you've been with Jesus, Peter? Right? This is my Tamil. <laughs> my Tamil is coming out. <laughs> how many years you've been with How many? Don't you know you have to stop racism? Don't you know you have to stop this? It's a command. Don't you know? Right? Stop the racism. Stop it, bro. Eat with the Gentiles. Don't do this. Do this. It was easy for Paul to do that. Are you tracking me? Right? So let's say you're struggling with something. Don't do this, do that. Very easy. Don't do this, do that. Do this, do that. Do that. Right? That is a moralistic view of looking at life. Right? But what is Paul saying? What is Paul saying? Tell me. What is Paul saying? There, in the Bible. What is he saying? What is Paul telling Peter? Is he saying you broke a command? What is he saying? You guys are scared suddenly. <laughs> He's saying you've not, you're not walking in line with the gospel. He's not going after the behavior. He's going after your heart. He's going after your heart. My friend, again, I want you to understand this. Because this is who we are as a community. Religion goes for your behavior. Religion says don't do this, do that. Do this, do that. By doing all these things, you're accepted. The gospel goes for your heart. The gospel goes for your heart, right? Peter is, Paul is basically telling Peter, Peter, you understand the gospel in your head, but it is not active in your heart. 
you understand the gospel in your head you know this if i give you a test right now you will pass the gospel test it is in your head but it is not alive in your heart in your heart something else is working you know what is working in paul's peter's heart he was afraid of the jews he wanted to please the jews oh, what will they think of me will they think less of me oh i want them to go and tell some nice things about me these were the things that was going on in his heart he had the gospel in his heart but when he was living he was living out of a different worldview so my friends i want you to understand for 20 years and i told you right for 20 years the gospel was in my head i believed the gospel it was in my head even today the gospel is in my head right it's in my head but the question is is the gospel in my heart is the gospel in my heart it is a world of difference it's only this much half a feet or whatever this is it's a world of difference a world of difference let me give you some reasons the reason why have you thought about this the reason why you're angry right the reason why you're angry the reason why you can't forgive people the reason why we hold on to bitterness you, yes you are a christian yes you believe the gospel i'm not saying you don't understand the gospel you believe the gospel but the reason why you are bitter and cannot forgive the reason why you act selfishly the reason why you cannot be generous the reason why when somebody says something about us we are filled with self pity and wallowing in self pity the reason why we always think nobody loves me nobody cares about me and we live like an orphan the reason why we cannot take criticism from anybody the reason why we give people the silent treatment the reason why we leave people hanging right instead of loving them we just leave them hanging the reason why we are not able to love genuinely the reason why we are worried and anxious and driven to succeed the reason why we cannot take rest the reason why we are feeling insecure the reason why we need the approval of people in our life the reason for all these things is because the gospel is in your head but it is not in your heart because if the gospel is alive in your heart your identity your security your significance your purpose everything is in christ right everything is in christ you talking me so my friend i want you to understand this at new city we want you to understand this we want you to experience this right and let me give you a quick right quick uh two ways right two ways to understand this one is a resume the other one is a report card it's very uh i'm sure it's world over but indians know this very well resume everybody has one bio data in your wallet right you have can i send your bio data can i send my bio can i send my resume resume right resume resume right we all have that and we've all been completely scarred by our report cards right except maybe sonal uh, <laughs> all of us have a dreadful view of our report card you understand what i'm saying let me think of this right i want you to think of this when do you use your resume you collect a lot of resumes for your work when people give you a resume what are they saying i need a job right so you look at the resume and they are saying if i submit the resume you look at my resume and then i deserve this job based on the resume based on the resume i deserve a uh, scholarship based on the resume i deserve 
admission, based on the resume. I can get into a society, I can get into a club, right? So we show the resume, we say, look at all the things I've done. So based on the things I've done, I deserve to get in. Are you tracking me? We come to God the same way. You realize how you come to God like that? Every moment we come to God bringing our resume. Every moment we come to God saying, God, look at all I've done for you. See all that I've given. See how I'm serving you. See how I'm doing. So we come to God with our resume and we, we want God to accept us based on our resume. My friend, we all do that all the time. Are you tracking me? Are you tracking me? So you could be bringing your resume before God. Every time you come before God, every time you come before God, oh, look at all the things I've done. Look at all. You see, the, you see in the Bible, people do that constantly. Jesus, when they come to Jesus, look at all that I've done. Look at all the commands I've kept. Look at all the things I'm doing. There's another way you could come to God. You could be bringing your report card. Right? In this context, the report card is a report card of shame. Report card, if you're like me, report card, I don't want to look at my report card. Right? I'm like, <laughs> it points to the fact that I've not worked hard. It points to the fact that I'm not good enough. Are you tracking me? All the underline and B and minus and all D and F and all these things in my report card. I don't want to see my report card. It is a symbol of shame for me. Right? It points to the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm useless. I'm not good enough. Right? A lot of us, when we come before God, we bring our report card. You say, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm nothing. I'm not good enough. Right? You feel a sense of shame before God. You feel you're not good enough. You feel you're condemned. You've not worked hard enough. You've not worked hard enough. You've not tried hard. That's why you say, I, I will try it better. I will do this better next time. This is, you either bring your resume and you feel proud before God, or you bring your report card and feel shame before God. Are you tracking me? My friends, listen, only when you understand Jesus is your resume. You see this? Only when you understand Jesus is the resume you need. Jesus is the resume. He has the perfect record. Only when you understand it is not your report card, it is Jesus' report card that you're bringing before God. It is only when you begin to understand this, the gospel is moving from your head to your heart. Are you tracking me? Are you tracking me, my friend? I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Your life will change. The more you apply this, the more you think about this, your life is going to change. All right. I have a third point, but I'm not going to go into the third point. But do you see what's happening? Do you see what's happening? Right? There's a difference between religion and the gospel. There's a difference between knowing the gospel and really experiencing the gospel. At New City, we want you to experience it. And that's why we keep doing the same things again and again. We do a few things. We study the gospel-centered life. Hmm? We study gospel-centered community. We study gospel in life. 
we study gospel in life at work these are four things we want everybody to do if you've not done it that is it gives us a common language for the gospel we keep thinking about the gospel again and again we do this again i've done this like 20 25 times and i love it every time i come before it i'm reminded of my sin but i love what jesus has done for me at new city we want you to be gospel centered let's pray father even this morning as we lord just come before you father may our hearts leap with joy because of what jesus has done for us i i pray that for us the penny will drop oh god oh by the power of your spirit i pray that you will quicken our minds and our hearts to really understand the gospel help us help us lord help us to understand why we are not changing help us to understand why we don't have joy help us to understand the difference between religion and the gospel help us help us oh god we thank you lord even this morning as a community we rejoice at what jesus has done in his name we pray amen all right let's worship god